Hello and welcome. It's Graham Norton here. Thank you for listening to my Virgin Radio podcast with Waitrose. Coming up, National Treasurer Lorraine Kelly shares her brand new campaign, No Butts, to raise awareness for bowel cancer. The brilliant Jane Fallon brings us her new book, Worst Idea Ever. Will Young joins us at the top of the tower to celebrate his new single, Daniel, an upcoming album. Plus, the lovely Fern Britton chats to us about her new novel, Daughters of Cornwall. But first, here's Maria. <laughs> Is that a dog whistle? No, it's 1st of May. I'm, I'm whistling in the white rabbits. It's the 1st of May. I was going to come in full Morris dancing outfit with my bells, but it was too early. <laughs> I did not even know it was the 1st of May. You, well, no. that's, that's why I thought. You know, I have to keep you abreast of things, Graham. Thank you very because, much. Because, you know, you're getting a little slow in your old age. Um, so I thought I would keep you abreast of the 1st of May white rabbits, and it means summer is on its way. And is that a might not mean that, but I've just decided. Yeah, Sarah Jessica Parker, she always goes rabbit rabbit when it's the first of the month. She's stupid. Well, but you've just done it. <laughs> Only for May, because there are rabbits because it's spring. You can't do it in December. That way madness lies. <laughs> what does it mean at all? Oh, I don't know. I just don't. something to say. Don't you didn't you used to say pinch punch first of the month and no return? Oh, and then the uh, punch and uh, the kick for being, being so, so quick. quick. Yeah. Smack in the eye for being so slight, and then it goes on forever <laughs> until the teacher makes you go outside. <laughs> yeah. Bullet through the forehead for being so <laughs> Oh, that escalated. So that escalated. Sorry. <laughs> um, now I have to say congratulations to you. Why? Because why? The film. The <gasps> film you were in. My Oscar-winning performance. Yes, I hope they've given you a little miniature Oscar in animated form because it no, wasn't I, an animation for the uh, nation. No, there was there was a flurry of emails. Was there? Oh yes, a flurry. Uh, no, not, because, not from me. <laughs> no, no, no. From the, from the Pixari people. Oh, what did uh, they so, say? Well, just kind of, you know, mm, there you go. Yeah. No, they, I think they were pleased. I mean, did you see any of the Oscars? No. It was a little... We did discuss this last week, and I did think, shall I stay up like Graham? No. No, no, I didn't stay up. Oh, but well I did done. watch. I watched a lot of it the next day. It was quite... Ooh, what? What is it? Was, it was just a bit lacklustre. Well, what do you expect? I a mean, little you know, bit more luster. I know, but you know, <laughs> pandemic. Yeah, they had a long time to plan this, and actually, I think some like I think the I think it was the Emmys did a really good job with pandemic. Uh, you know, uh, what yeah, yeah. award show. But this was... So ooh. this is Graham Norton biting the hand that feeds him. Well, no. An Oscar it just, like, in a film like, that as he Elton was John, in. Elton John described the venue as it looks like a Starbucks. And it did look a bit... It looked, I don't know. It was a bit gift shoppy or something. The, yes. yes. It was in a, a railway station. I'm not sure why. And the railway station was still open while they were having the Oscars. What, with trains going? Yeah. That's camp. Yeah, that was... <laughs> <laughs> did you hear the announcer? Yeah. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> 4.34 <laughs> to Baltimore. <laughs> Leaving on platform 11. Yeah. Um, Could Viola Davis please make her way to platform 7 <laughs> where an Oscar awaits? The sad thing is, you not going to the Oscars and being dissy about it is that your Terry Towling suit. I know. I feel you would have been on, on all of the front pages going the worst <laughs> outfit ever. Graham Norton, Britain's TV funny man, decided to wear a Terry Towling suit complete with Terry Towling bow tie and mask and cummerbund. It was unseasonably cold, so my terry towelling suit would have been very clever. It would have come in handy. I did feel for all of those very, very skinny little Hollywood actresses who are all about four stone three. Yeah. Uh, in, you know, like, 
cutouts and bare sleeves and bare legs. I'm thinking, oh dear, why? Why don't you just, you know, I love Frances McDormand who won for Nomadland. Yes. Just deciding to go, you know, like this is how I got out of bed this morning, basically. Well, I bet you though there was a team, a team to made make her, her look, look made her look like that. Yeah. Uh, and then and she did. <laughs> You're so cynical. She, she did wear one of those things you have, the dry, what? dry robe. A dry robe. She was essentially, she, I mean, she stole my idea. She was essentially wearing a dry robe. But hers was quite stylish, though. <laughs> well, it had a bit of feather on the sleeve. <laughs> Um, the other thing they did was they and, th- and this was good I think for one year that do this so that people know why it, they don't do it. The, no one got played off. Your speech could be as long as you wanted it to oh, be. Oh, that's amazing! And it was really good because they'll never do it again. Uh, because... So were there really long oh, speeches? Oh, awful. Awful, awful, awful. The people who made My Octopus Teacher, an octopus could have been born, lived and died <laughs> in the length of time they spoke. It went on forever. You know that thing where you kind of, I can't, oh, please stop, oh, please, please stop. stop. Now. But they didn't know how to stop. But I suppose so, they're never going to get that moment again. Not now. No. <laughs> but why they did, can make the best documentary in the world that everybody gets. people decide not to play people off because we've suffered enough in the last year? Is <laughs> that why? We've suffered more. I know, but what was the reasoning behind that? I'm asking you like you now work for the Oscars. I think maybe... Maybe they couldn't afford the live orchestra. <laughs> they could have just had a bell. Or like the comedy <laughs> store. Somebody comes in with a big hook. Yeah. Gets you off. Doesn't go, shut <laughs> up. <Yeah. laughs> Thank you. Next. Um, right. That's us. Uh, that's our deep take on the Oscars. <laughs> we are going to be having uh, Graham's Guy problems. Sort your letters out and we'll come to you in a moment. Yeah, like Thank I you. haven't. <laughs> Virgin Radio. Now, you find us a little distracted. Uh, we should be just in the middle of Graham's Guide. But actually, we're eating some lovely scones with some Dutchy organic jam. I love the way you filled there. Well, my mouth was full indeed. <laughs> I thought you were surprised the song ends. I thought I said to you, how have I got time to and eat? I said, ages, 21 seconds. You, oh. can, you can scarf a scone in 21 seconds. <laughs> Clearly not. <laughs> my eyes were bigger than my tummy. That's... It's been beauti- beautifully prepared by uh, Polly. Thank you very much, I'm, I'm starting a new um, thing called Blame Polly because mine, actually, Anar made mine. Assistant producer Polly is so efficient that I want to start a thing to bring her down to size <laughs> called I Blame Polly. And um, on mine, it's a bit... The jam and the cream have been mixed up a bit. Mm, well... It all goes down the same way, doesn't it? Yeah. Oh, well, that's very generous of you, Graham. But aesthetically, you know, but it is very delicious. Really delicious. Mm-hmm. You really let us slowly while I eat. Thank you. <laughs> slowly while I eat. You'll hear some chewing. <laughs> a, a bed of chewing. <laughs> OK, here we go. Yeah. <clears throat> Munch away. Dear Graham and Maria, I called a gardener round for a job and he came round twice. <laughs> What are you laughing at now? It just sounds a bit euphemistic. Are <laughs> <laughs> the gardener round? He did my bush trimmed. The first time I ended up standing outside with him and chatting, just to be nice. He didn't stay very long. When he came over the second time, I really didn't want to chat for long, but he wouldn't stop talking. Out of the blue, about 20 minutes in, he asked if I wanted to go out for a drink. I was really taken aback and felt really awkward, which he could tell from my reaction. I just said, Okay, 
as I didn't want to seem unkind. He then said immediately that he shouldn't have asked and it was a stupid thing to say and admitted it was unprofessional. He also went on about how my father and brother were in the house and it probably wasn't a good idea to ask early into the job and he felt he should have waited until the end. This is a whole drama here, isn't it, Graham? I made an excuse to go inside and offered to make him a cup of tea. When I came back outside, he asked me to stand back and have a look at the trees, brackets, so no one else could see and handed me his number. Right, when he left, he said, give me a call, but very discreetly, sorry, give me a call. I don't want to think I've, I don't want him to think I've completely ignored him, but at the same time, I want him to know thanks, but no thanks. Well, that is from Jasmine in Isha. Um, <sighs> Jasmine and Isha, that was quite a long letter. It was and, like play for today. And involved. <laughs> well done for doing the voices. You really brought it alive. <laughs> Um, Jasmine Your and Isha. tree. I mean, it didn't really carry on the radio, but I saw it. Oh. <laughs> as long as I know it's there, Graham. The art is for me. Um, Jasmine and Isha, sorry, we are making light of your problem. And <laughs> Are you? No, no. Um, anyway, we're not. Um, but I would say to you, in all seriousness, Jasmine and Isha, just say no to the gardener. That's all you need to do. You can. You don't need to be horrible, but you know when he said, "Do you want to go out for a drink?" If you don't want to go, you say, "That's very kind of you," but no. Yeah. You close it down. I mean, it's a bit like the the line from Phoebe in Friends when she says, "I wish I could, but I don't want to." <laughs> Which I think is a very good way. I mean, you know, I am rather. It's. Awful that we put out other people's feelings before our own and you don't want to make him feel awkward. He's working for you. He's doing a job. He will get paid. Part of that payment is not you having to go out for a drink with him if you don't want to. But don't give mixed signals, Jasmine and Isha. What do you think, Graham? Well, I like the idea that he <laughs> it was unprofessional. He's not a doctor. He's not a gynecologist. He's the gardener. He's allowed to ask her out for a drink if he yeah, wants but to. He, hasn't really, he doesn't really know who. You can't go around, I'll just go and trim that bush over there, lady. Oh, fancy a drink later. Why it not? seems a bit isn't opportunist. People, isn't that how people ask people out? Well, I think you have a little chat first. But they did. They no, had, ch- he chatted at her. No, the first time they yeah. stood outside and they chatted just to be nice. He didn't say very long. So they had met. He didn't stay he very back. long. He didn't find but out where she enough, went to school. But where long, she went enough, to long enough to, for Jasmine to make a very good impression on said Gardner. But not and he thought, oh, next time I go back I'm going to be I'm going to be very, very nervous and scared, but I'm going to be very brave and I'm going to ask her out for a drink. And he did and then she went and they went all right i mean he knows she doesn't want to go yeah yeah but also i do worry about this because i think there are ways that people can judge if someone else is interested you know this is some people can judge some people are bad at it really yeah some people are bad at it you know because if most people aren't as nice as jasmine if most people you know he rocks up they show absolutely no interest in him or his work they just want the lawn mowed the tree pruned whatever he's doing and you know they don't even offer a cup of tea the fact that Jasmine went out, spoke to him, hung out, da da da. You know, bless him, he should have figured out this woman's just being nice, she's not flirting with me. But, you know, maybe that isn't his experience of, of people he works for. So he did misunderstand. The flowers and- never say no, <laughs> the trees yeah. never say no. <laughs> My mower never lets me down. <laughs> Sorry, we should not no, be but teasing. I, think, I just think, I, I, I understand Jasmine's awkwardness, but I just think this man, 
He didn't do anything terrible. He asked her out for a drink. You're allowed to do that. Now, you're right. Jasmine should then have just said, oh, that's so sweet of you, but I, I'm not interested. Thank you very much. But uh, but she didn't. She went, OK. Like, and I mean, he saw the expression, so yeah. that should have given him cause to go, OK, I uh, better not ask again. But then to take her to the trees where no one else could see. I mean, this whole bit about the father and the brother inside, I, I have visions of them standing there with baseball bats and knuckle dusters on. Why didn't they deal with the gardener? Why have you got to go outside and talk to the gardener? Why were, is it your were, job? They were hoping to get rid of Jasmine. <laughs> Maybe the gardener will take her. <laughs> Maybe they did a deal, the brother and the husband. Brother and the father. <laughs> Thickens. Oh, yes. Oh, oh yeah. She'll be under that tree. <laughs> I, Jasmine, I would just say next time he's there, don't engage. And the message will soon be very clear. I think he should have read the message from your yes. awkward and certainly expression. Don't, don't uh, text him or anything because then he'll have your number and it might escalate. So, yeah, if you've got advice for Jasmine or indeed the lovely gardener, who I think is also, he could have equally written, kind of going, mm, anyway, my favourite responses will receive a Waitrose Dutch Organic Highland all but a shortbread tin. It's a good old-fashioned tin with a lovely painting of the Highlands on top of it. Billy and Dundee. Tell Jasmine to be up front and tell him if you don't want to go out with him and that you don't fancy him. Don't string him along. Just be honest. And that's the thing. I mean, he will come back, presumably, because it's a garden. Gardens grow and he will return. And then you go, oh, sorry, I haven't been in touch. I've been busy. I just want to go out. Uh, oh, Jasmine, a different Jasmine. She's in Milton Keynes. Not your Easter Jasmine, no. Uh, she married... Oh, wait a minute. Jasmine Milton Keynes married her gardener. Well, there you go. He came round for a quote. We met again, started dating, and now what happened to marry the kids? See, Jasmine, the story could have a different ending, couldn't it? Yes. Lydia's in Wakefield. Don't message him, as he'll have your number then. Silence is an answer. If you bump into him again, say sorry you're not interested. If he challenges you, then tell your brother and dad, because he's clearly wary of them. Oh, that's true. I left that detail out. The father and the brother were in the house. Call the gardener back for another task, says Sarah T in Brighton. This time, father and brother deal with him, and when he asks where Jasmine is, they'll tell him she's gone to a judo tournament to look after her fiancé's black belts while he takes place in the final by gardener. Well, Sarah T, I think you've over you've oversolved the problem. Uh, I, I'm not sure... He I'm not sure we're there. I think you've seen too many Jack Reacher episodes. It's, it's not that bad. He just asked her out for a drink. She doesn't want to go. Paul's a Beckham. Is Jasmine starring in an episode of Downton Abbey? How old is she? Have you never been asked out before? As the kids on Grange Hill once sung, just say no. I'm kind of with you, Paul. It did seem... She did seem to be clutching her pearls. <laughs> that the gardener had asked her out for a drink. <gasps> the gardener? Oh, one of the Downton girls married the um, chauffeur. You know, so it can happen. And he was Irish. Even worse. Uh, Gemma and Teeb in Henley-on-Thames. Lots of people meet their partners at work. If the gardener works alone, he may not meet many people. If he felt a vibe, then why not be bold and ask her out? Life is for enjoying. The worst can happen is she says no. Very good. Uh, I think I'm going to send some shortbread to Paul in Peckham for his uh, amusing Downton Abbey advice. Graham's Guide. Uh, do we have another letter? Yes. Come on, let's hear it. OK. Dear Graham and Maria, my husband has been offered a job in Canada and I'm in two minds whether I really want to go. We've been together for 16 years, married for a year and a half and we have two children aged five and two. 
He moved away two years ago to work abroad, but it didn't work out and he returned home. Brackets, which we were delighted about. Close brackets. Ever since, he's always wanted more and to, in inverted commas, be someone. He struggles with his mental health and doesn't really have much family here, so moving away seems easy for him. I, however, have family and a small circle of friends, not to mention the children with their nursery and school, as well as their friends too. I understand they'd adapt and make friends, but I feel this would be so much harder for me as I don't have a support network over there. Plus, my mum is the only granny in the family and it would break her heart if I was to take our family away from here. What do I do? Do I stay at the point of him resenting me? Do I stay at the point of Or do I end up going and resenting him and upsetting my family by leaving? Please help. And that is from Sadie in Norfolk. Well, this is a bit of a pickle, Sadie in Norfolk. Um, it's, it's As I've heard, Graham, it's always what people don't say that is sort of kind of interesting. Because when you say he went away two years ago... And it didn't work out, so he came back. So you weren't invited to go with him to, on that particular job, um, Sadie, and he came back. So I'm wondering, was this a break? Was Did you have a break in your relationship? Did he go off and do something else? It didn't work out, however. So that's we have to remember that. When you say he wants to be someone in Canada... Um, I just think there's a, there's a middle ground. You don't have to do either way, Sadie. I think basically... Why don't you let him go to Canada and set up in Canada and get the children in schools? Take some responsibility for the rest of his life, is what I'm thinking, so that you don't have to do all of this and send you things about the schools and so on and so forth. And then you can perhaps go out there afterwards. I, it's a real thing, and I wonder why you have written to us and not talked to him. Well, because presumably, because his big thing is he wants to go. And isn't it funny how people are different? Because... If I was Sadie in Norfolk and this opportunity came up and I had two little kids, you'd think, that's amazing. Let's go. Let's go have an adventure. Because because once you have two kids, it's quite hard to have an adventure. For sure. So suddenly this is a way of, but, of going somewhere and exploring something. It'd be great for the kids. They'll find a whole new world. Because they're young. It's like, yeah, you know, yeah. they don't care about their nursery. Just put them in another one. But I think this is much more about... Um, Sadie's relationship with her husband. Yes. I mean, I think it's telling. That's all I will say. I think it's telling that they've been together for 16 years, but only married a year and a half ago, which by my reckoning means after he came back from the failed trip abroad. Yes. So basically, <clears throat> I'm thinking they split up, he buzzed off to be somebody somewhere, and then came back and said, I've really missed you, blah, 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 blah. Um, only one, and they made an, a, a breakup baby because there's a child of two. Yes. Yes. Oh no, that no, that child be no makeup baby happened before he went away. Yeah. If the child is two. Two years ago he went away. Yes, nine months <coughs> cooking, nine months cooking, and then uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> we need the problem from first. We need that maths graduate <coughs> to tell us. So I think there's it's the relationship that you're worried about, Sadie in Norfolk, rather than the move. You know, if you were secure and comfortable within your relationship and within the, with your partner, and that everything was, you don't want to, all to fail, and you have to come home with yes. a tail between your legs on your own having wrenched the children out of their nurseries and schools and friends. Yes, I think it also, it, for Sadie, it, it, I think if you are confident that the job is a secure one and your husband can hold it down, 
then I think I would just go. go. I would go because it, this is exciting. And yes, you're going to miss your mom. Your mom's going to be heartbroken, but it's Canada. She can go to Canada. It's, you can come uh, back. And also, it's not forever. There's yeah. Skype now. You, there's easy ways to get in touch with people. So I would. I really would urge you to resolve the issues with your partner first. But uh, as an opportunity, I think it's a brilliant opportunity. And perhaps you being there will kind of keep him on the straight and narrow this time. You said he went away before. It didn't work out. He came home. So, you know, if you do it as a family, if you do this, take on this job as a family and we're going to make this work in Canada, this is going to be an exciting new life. Yes. The other thing I would say is where in Canada, because that is really important. Because if you're going somewhere lovely, if you're going to, you know, the outskirts of Vancouver, say, where you've got access to forests and mountains and lakes and coast. Great. If you go to Alberta. Yes. It's rare. If you go to Alberta, it's going to be a struggle. That is going to be harder and you will you know people will look at you like you're from the moon and uh, that you know I think that is going to be difficult so find out those things do a bit of research what do you think of the idea of sending him on ahead to organise things so that he's got a mission which is more than the job I wouldn't trust him to water plants well then why are you going to Canada with someone you don't trust well no no because I I want want to go I want to go and I think the kids will really enjoy it so yeah just think about it from her point of view if she moves and she's got two children and it all goes belly up, then she's stuck in Canada with two kids because he's not going to... I know, but look, there are long queues at the airport, but they're not shut. You mean, you can come home. So <laughs> don't... I mean, people might let you queue jump if you've got two kids. So I I just think, do a bit of research about where you're going. But the person who should go and set it up is Sadie, because Sadie needs to know that she enjoys it and likes it. There's no point sending him ahead, because he'll bring back and go, oh, I've gone to a great house. Okay. Yeah, it's wonderful. It's so such a great let town. let your mum look after the children for a week or two. Go. Okay. Go yeah. with him to set yeah. up in Canada. Yeah. And if you don't like the gist of it, come back. Yeah. That's, that's Have we resolved this? Uh, uh, well, let's see if the, if the listeners agree. I Although think the listeners... you don't trust him, Graham, you see. <laughs> and I'm kind of with you. <laughs> no, I, well, I just think it's an amazing opportunity. And, it, uh, you know, nothing's forever. So no. do it. You know, and then something good will have come out of this relationship. Yeah, apart from children. Yeah, if it goes if it goes belly up, you might be able to meet a lovely lumberjack. Oh yes, or a, a Canadian Mountie. Who will build you a house, <laughs> and the children will speak Canadian. Have you got better advice for Sadie Norfolk? Perhaps you do. Sarah in Cumbria. He has a long-term relationship, two children, and a job. If he is still discontented, then the real problem lies elsewhere. I think that he should receive some counselling or they should receive couples counselling before they embark on this trip. I think couple counselling might be a very good idea to find out if they are indeed a couple (laughs) because if they don't share any of the same uh, goals or or, uh, ambitions in life, then it's going to be very hard to stay together. Mel says he's trying to find contentment from moving countries. However, the unhappiness is in him. Hello, Mel. Do you know him? Uh, So he'll only take it with him. I've heard, though, that therapy is good in Canada. So while you're looking for a house, look for a therapist. Well, if therapy is better in Canada, there's another plus side to go. Uh, William McGloster, this requires a serious conversation between you and your husband because there's a lot of compromise and understanding to be done here. Uh, Yes, that is true. Harry's in West London. It's a lot easier for kids to manage. But if you think you're really going to struggle, then you need to tell him. However, it could be the best thing you've ever done. I'm kind of with you, Harry. I just, it's exciting. You know, it's, uh, uh, these sorts of opportunities don't come along 
all the time. And most people are in a relationship with someone who doesn't want to go. So don't be that person. Don't hold your back, you know, because you regret the things you don't do. Isn't that it? Isn't that what they say? That's what they say, right? Uh, Andrea's in Munich. Don't underestimate how hard this is. I moved... Oh, oh dear, Andrea's going to tell us. <laughs> no, you regret the things you do. Uh, she moved to Germany with two babies, no friends, no support network. And ten years later, I still struggle. Oh, Sadie's not moving, is it? Sadie's so stuck in Norfolk now. Sadie is not going to the airport. You will always feel like you have a foot in both lives if you go feeling so torn. Yes, it can be a wonderful opportunity, but if this isn't your dream, don't go. I feel I feel like we've let Sadie's partner down <laughs> by not encouraging. Well, I'm still I'm still saying a go. Who will we give the uh, the shortbread to? I'm going to give it to um, I'll give it to the first one, Sarah and Cumbria. I think the couples counselling was a good idea. So you get the Dutchy Organic Highland All Butter Shortbread in a beautiful, uh, you know, collect and keep tin. That's what you do. You'd, my mother, in her day, would have kept buttons in that tin. That's what she'd have done. Yeah. The Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. You can taste when it's Waitrose. Virgin Radio. Let's now put up the bunting, fire the confetti cannon, cause for celebration. Lorraine Kelly joins us. Hello, Lorraine. Hello, gorgeous. How are you? I'm so. Thank you very much. I know this is one of your rare days off. So, uh, so thank you for doing this. It's really good of you. Oh no, it's great, and I'm really, really enjoying the show. Cracking music. Oh, thank you very Loving much. It. We're, we're here every weekend, Lorraine. We're here every weekend. Saturday. I know on you Sunday. are. I know you are. I listen to you all the time, and it's it's a great show. Oh, you cheer me up. That's very kind of you. Very, very kind of you. Um, and congratulations. I haven't seen you since uh, you became a CBE. I, well, yes, I know. Mm-hmm. I've not actually... You know how we're not allowed um, to, to really do anything at the moment, but <laughs> things are getting better. So there's not actually been um, a ceremony, but hopefully there will be. And it's a great excuse for a party, Graham. It's just a great excuse to get, you know, member parties. Do you remember that? No. <laughs> I mean, I mean when also, there's got to be such a backlog. Poor old Queen. She's got to be stood there She's for days handing out medals. Oh, yeah, weeks, weeks and weeks and weeks she'll be there. <laughs> but what a lovely thing to happen in the middle of all of this to you know lockdown really pandemic unexpected. and everything suddenly you got that lovely honor yeah, i know it was lovely and dr Hillary as well because he's been amazing so it was it was great it was a yeah it was a little bit of light and what's been a very strange time but we are getting there we are getting there and of course um you know the focus for everyone has been on on covid and getting past this sure. and the jabs and everything but you bring us a really important campaign the no butts campaign because yeah. you know uh, because diseases don't know we're busy disease <laughs> no, no they don't I know and people, people are still getting cancer and bowel cancer is one of those things Graham we're so silly about our bottoms and about yeah. poo and everybody does it as I exclusively revealed on my show Beyonce goes to the toilet which <gasps> not many people knew I know you're shocked let me get a I'm pen I'll write this down <laughs> <laughs> so we're trying to take the embarrassment out of it and we've got fantastic Deborah James I mean Deborah's living with stage 4 but cancer and she's been incredible because she's so positive and she wants to spread that message that if you notice any change when you go to the loo any change at all 
go to the doctor and, yeah. you can, and don't be scared, especially just now. I know people are a little bit worried because of everything that's going on. And it's that thing of, especially with my mum and dad's um, generation, oh, they don't want to bother the doctor. You know, there's that thing. And if you notice any change, go. It could be nothing, um, but it might be. You know, if you see, maybe if you're losing weight, you can't explain it. If you're awful, awful tired, maybe you've got pains in your tummy and things have changed when you go to the loo. Just go to your doctors and get it checked out because you can... You know, you don't want to die of embarrassment or die because yeah. you're ignoring it. Do you know what I mean? And if you catch this early, you can get treated and chances are you will be fine. So we're hoping um, that this will save lives. That's essentially the bottom line. Yeah. The bottom line. <laughs> well done. You, oh, you're on message. Because I, I think, <laughs> am I right in thinking that it, by all cancer, is one of the more treatable cancers, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. There's about, I think there's about 42,000 people diagnosed with it every year. And sadly, 16 people die. And if they'd got caught earlier, you know, if they'd go in earlier, perhaps, you know, that the chances are if you get it early, you can actually, it's very treatable. It's very, very treatable. I mean, Deborah's been living with stage four since 2016 and she's been getting all sorts of pioneering treatment. So, yeah, I mean, it's been tough, but she's she, she's got an amazing attitude. You know, she is living with cancer, but it doesn't define her. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And she just wants to spread the word to as many people as possible because, um, yeah, like I say, we're awful, we, we get embarrassed and, and silly to be embarrassed or ashamed yeah. about something that we all do and it's so humbling though isn't it when you meet someone like that who's, oh, who's just is. not defeated I'm... by something who's not crushed by it because I, I always wonder how would I react I like you know you like to think you'd be a, a Deborah James but yes, I have a funny feeling yes. I might just kind of lie down and I know. In the towel. You never I don't know. know. You never know until you're in it. And people have been so kind in trusting me with their stories. We had John Stapleton on this week, who, of course, his wife was such a, Lynn Falswood was such a pioneer on this. I mean, she was the first person to talk about it really on TV. And Charlene, Charlene White, who people know from reading the news and being on Loose Women, uh, her mum died far too young from bowel cancer. So they've been sharing their stories and, and just reminding people to, yeah, any changes, just go to your doctor. It's as, as simple as that. And do not be embarrassed because they You've seen bottoms before. And also, it is that thing, you know, I'm sitting here and you're saying, oh, go to your doctor. And I'm going, yeah, yeah, you should do that. I haven't been to the doctor in over a year. just beca- and, and it is because of COVID. Yeah. I just kind of think I don't I want know. to leave the house. Um, I think we've all been like that, haven't we? It's yeah. like, you know, now we can tentatively get into the sunlight again. I still feel a wee bit anxious about it, if I'm honest. You know, I'm you know, with there, you. There is that. Yeah, yeah, I know. And it's so silly, but we do feel a wee bit anxious about socialising again. <laughs> And and yeah, I know. I think that'll take us a little time to get to get over that. But don't we? I mean, I, I went out for coffee with my friend Nick last week, and it was like I was going to some sort of grand premiere <laughs> or something. Do you know what I mean? It was so exciting. Feathers in her hair. <laughs> All those little silly things that we took for granted, like going into the shops and looking at dresses or, or whatever. You know what I mean? It's just uh, yeah, we won't take things for granted again. I don't think so. Not for a while, anyway. Now I want to ask you about your podcast. You're doing a podcast with your daughter, Rosie. I am. It's Rosie's idea. Um, she was she was in Singapore and came back uh, last year and she's been doing some work for Hello Magazine because she loves to write and she had this idea of us doing a podcast together and it's kind of like, you know those what if moments where if you'd gone down one road, your life would have been totally different. Like I was supposed to go to university and I didn't. I ended up working for my local newspaper and I think you were the same. You were, you were supposed to go into uni, you went to uni and then you went to drama school and yeah. your life would have been, we've all got those moments, haven't yeah. we? So it's been fascinating to talk to people. We'll talk to your pal Michelle Visage. Oh, um, wow. what's her was, what if? 
Well, she had a lot. <laughs> she felt, you know what? If you know, because her parents really encouraged her to go to New York, and you know, there was all that amazing scene where she met RuPaul, and you know, and she went. She was in a girl band, and she does did all these incredible things. And everybody's got that sort of what if moment. Like we talked to astronaut Tim Peake, and his was what if he hadn't applied to be an astronaut because it was his wife who said you've got to do this. I mean, he was brilliant. He is so such a great guest. And then Jane, you've got lovely Jane Fallon on later. Her new book is amazing. Yeah, it's great, I, isn't it? Yeah, I read it yesterday. I just, yeah. I just, I just gobbled up. It was just fantastic. Um, and everybody's got these, you know, these these moments in their life where things can really change for, you know, for the better or for the worse. It's 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 like sliding doors. You know, it's that it's that kind of thing. And it's been so lovely to work with uh, with Rosie as well because she brings a different perspective to um, the interviews. You know, and to talk to people for longer. That's yeah. been amazing. Yeah, but also, I, I, because when I see you and your daughter Rosie, you remind me of what I was trying to remember this morning. What ads were they? Were they for Pear Soap or was it for Pond's Cold Cream or something? Where the, <laughs> where the guy goes, um, your daughter? I thought it was your sister. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was really funny. We were always going to do an April Fool at work. Where like before the break, I covered myself in like a mad big sort of pretend bottle, you know, cream. And then came back after the break and then it was Rosie wiping the cream off and going, oh, it's really work <laughs> yeah. yeah she really is a mini me isn't she She's, yeah a wee, a wee bit although i think she looks more like her dad and that's not a bad thing it's not a bad thing at all <laughs> when you say people look like their dad because i really look like my dad especially when i've got a hangover I really look like my dad. <laughs> um, and tell me this your little dog is it a cockapoo i think it is a cockapoo he's he's a border terrier he's actually right by me just now but we're a, well we're not worried we're very excited because we're getting a new member of the family, Rosie and her, her boyfriend James, um, are getting a little sausage dog, a miniature sausage, hairy sausage oh, dog oh, oh, called oh. Ruby. I know, and it's, I mean, she is the cutest thing in the world. They haven't got her yet. She's too wee, but they went up to see her. Um, and I'm just a wee bit worried. We don't want Angus's nose to be out of joint because I know this <laughs> because when I was six years old, my brother came along and he was like a baby from Central Casting. He was, <laughs> he was fat with blue eyes and blonde hair and people would stop my mother in the street and say that is the most beautiful child and I was well annoyed <laughs> so we'll have to watch that Angus doesn't feel like I did we, we can see why you ended up in show business <laughs> exactly so needy the, the, vor- the vortex of need <laughs> love me <laughs> It's truth, but I'm really looking forward to it. It'll be lovely. It'll be really nice. And we'll just make sure that we, we give Angus lots of toys and, and make sure that he's okay. All right. And let's just remind everybody again, uh, No Bots campaign. Uh, April yes. was Bowel Cancer Awareness Month, but this is uh, basically, you're just encouraging everyone to just check out what's going on down there. Absolutely. And if you have any Absolutely. worries. Absolutely. Any worries at all. And you can actually download a little, a, a really, really handy wee guide that's got all of the symptoms that you have to look out. You can do that on our, on our Lorraine website and just stay and get that and and yet any changes at all just go to the doctors don't be embarrassed that's all i would say don't be embarrassed fantastic uh, lorraine a joy to talk to you good luck oh, with everything and i'll i'll see you along the way you. i hope so cheers Graham. all Thank right you. take care darling bye bye the graham norton radio show with waitrose you can taste when it's waitrose virgin radio <laughs> I'm just laughing at Jane Fallon because she looks like she's about to land a plane. She's put her headphones on very carefully. Very serious work. 
Um, Jane Fallon, congratulations. Worst idea ever is out, came out on Thursday in hardback. And somebody very clever uh, added up and we now realise you have sold over a million books. I know. Someone did sit down and add up every single copy. That's in the UK. I'd like to have you know. Yeah, I know. It's incredible, isn't it? It's um, it's exciting. Like, no, that must have... I mean, you know, when you got that call, that must have... Isn't that a thing? It's a crazy big number. Yeah, it's incredible. And it, it, it's kind of mind-blowing that someone... That many people want to buy your books, but yeah. Oh, fantastic. OK, let's talk about the new one. This is... It's a great premise for a book Thank you. Um, well it's kind of two premises it's a you know you think you know what's going to happen and then it, it kind of fits but anyway t- tell us as much as you dare about the story yeah without giving anything away so yeah. georgia and lydia have been friends uh for 25 years since they were at art college together and now georgia is a very successful children's author and illustrator and lydia has a job that she really doesn't like and lydia sets up an etsy shop to try and sort of showcase some of her art to show you know show off her talents and it's going nowhere so Georgia decides to create a fake Twitter profile so that she can throw some praise her way, like maybe pose as a potential customer. But she hadn't reckoned on Lydia starting to befriend this internet stranger and starting to confide in her and actually starting to talk to her about, starting to talk to Georgia about Georgia and at some point reveal something she knows that she would never want Georgia to know. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. And then and then you think you know what's happening, but then there's other twists go it, on. Yes. And, uh, yes, very good. So where did this come from? Because it's a great idea. Have you, have you done this thing of overhearing something you shouldn't have overheard? Or uh, I haven't done that, but I have been thinking a lot about uh, social media and the idea that you have literally no idea who you're talking to. Um, and I sort of started thinking about that a lot because my Twitter is, I keep it a really happy place and I just, the slightest hint of any insubordination and they're muted and that's it. And I forget about them. But for a while, a couple of years ago, there was a person who would troll my followers really nastily. It was clearly a fake profile. But then what was odd is a few more people started to do it. And when you looked at the syntax and the punctuation and everything, it was obviously the same person. So they'd set up many different personalities. <sighs> And it just really made me think that you don't know who you're talking to on there. You yeah. know, unless you know that person in real life, you could be talking to anyone. So I started trying to think, what could you do with that? And what if you turned out to be talking to someone you knew, but you didn't know it was them? Ew. It's also that weird thing. I find the ones where you they send you something horrible and you think, well, how, how horrible. And of course, then you want to know who they are. So you click on their profile and then you see, oh, oh, you send horrible things. That's all you do. Yes, you send horrible everyone. things to yes. everyone, hoping for a hoping reaction. Your two followers will yeah. be impressed. Yeah. It's and what's clever about this idea, though, is that it comes from a good place. Exactly. That was important to me. I didn't want to have it set up a sort of nasty troll. I wanted someone that really was trying to do a good thing and it backfired spectacularly on her. Yeah. And that thing of that dynamic between friends who you know they trained at art college together they had the same dream and one it came true for and one it it didn't I mean that's that is difficult in friendships isn't it really difficult I think if you're both trying to do the same thing you're always going to compare yourself to one another whether you do it consciously or not really and I think it's, it's difficult for both of them because I think Georgia the one who's successful actually knows how talented Lydia is thinks possibly she's more talented than she is and so she's got horrible sort of guilt imposter's guilt really imposter syndrome Um, so I think for both of them it actually puts a very awkward edge on their friendship and I mean I've had this with people like I had a friend and he 
he wrote and and I don't know whether he's better than me or worse than me but you know he couldn't get an agent he couldn't get that and you know and you feel like god I'm just like idiot off the telly and I've stumbled into this world uh, did you have that when you started writing novels oh totally yeah totally even though I'd actually been writing I wanted to be a novelist since I was five, ridiculously. Um, and they been, wouldn't have been great, I don't think. Do I mean, you know, you know do I don't mean to, I don't mean to diss you, but excuse <laughs> me. But actually, I used to write them, and they were amazing. They were always about animals. They were about eight pages long, and they had drawings. They were brilliant. Have you still got them? No, sadly not. Oh, I know. We used to, my mum and dad used to have a newsagent shop, and we had a paperback stand in there. And I used to try and persuade my dad to put them on the paperback stand <laughs> and sell them, and he wouldn't have it. Not even to humour me, he wouldn't have it. Um, uh, oh no! So you wanted to be a writer forever, oh, yes. but then when it actually happens, yeah, then of course when it actually happens, you you have all sorts of horrible insecurities and um, yeah, you feel bad. And I've got friends who who are trying and and all that kind of thing, and it's difficult. And there, you know, with any creative industry, there's a lot of luck involved, really. Yeah, because wasn't there a thing I was talking to? I did an interview with Nihal on um, uh, is it Five Live. He's on, mm, yeah. and he said he was talking to you, yeah. and he was saying that you had a weird thing with a friend. Yes, I did. Who kind of did she turn on? He turn on you? They turn on you? She. It wasn't even. She didn't even turn. It was so. She, we'd known each other for I don't know, maybe twenty years. We've been really good friends. And she knew what my lifelong ambition was. I didn't tell many people because it was a big you know, I, I never thought I could be a novelist, so I sort of kept it to myself. But she knew, and we hadn't seen, we both worked in TV, so we both worked long hours and everything. We hadn't seen each other for, I don't know, maybe a year even. And I met her for lunch, and I just had the news that Penguin were buying my first book, so I was so excited, and I thought, I can't wait to tell her. So I said to her, you'll never guess what, Penguin have bought my book. And she, not even for a second could she arrange her face in a way that looked pleased <laughs> to me. And she actually said, she pulled an expression that was quite extraordinary and she said oh it's not going to be chiclet is it and I said uh I was so thrown and I said um uh is it not really but it will probably get called that because it's about relationships and I'm a woman and everything and she went oh is it gonna have a pink cover and I just thought you don't you're not my friend like if you can't even pretend to be pleased for me when you know this is the biggest thing that's ever happened to me then you're not my friend and so I I didn't because I'm such a coward I didn't confront her about it I just yeah. sort of backed away slowly from the friendship yeah because it is you can't really recover from that no I don't think so because she's showed her true colours like she showed that she deep down she did not want the best for me yeah because if people hate your books, I feel a dignified silence. Yes, is, exactly. Is I haven't fine. read it yet. Any of that stuff. Yeah, yet. that's all fine. Yeah. yeah, people don't have to. People don't have to enjoy it. But no, yeah. not at all. But you know, pretend to be pleased. And yes, at least celebrate the success. Yeah. Even if you, yes, yeah, yeah. Worst idea ever. Her new book is out now in hardback. In hardback. You were saying it's your first in hardback. It is. It's very exciting. It's a beautiful, chunky looking it thing. It is. Mm. Is this number ten or number eleven? It's number eleven. <gasps> I mean, that's phenomenal. What do you do? Is it one a year or one every two years? Uh, these days it's one a year. Actually, the past, I think, five or six have been one a year. In the beginning, I was a bit slower because I was a bit unsure of myself. And, you know, I would start a book and then throw it in the bin and start another one. Now I'm much more confident and I'm on it. So, yeah, one a year. And so did you write this book? Some of this book must have been written in, in lockdown. I did. Yeah, I did. Um and it was, it was actually sort of fine. The only thing I found a bit strange was you, you weren't having any of those random conversations that you usually have. Like you weren't sitting in a cafe and listening to people or, and I love, you know, hearing people in the street or bumping into people. And I love that as inspiration, those yeah. kind of odd little offbeat things that go on in life. And there was none of that last year. But, and also it's, I think for, for a contemporary novice like yourself, what do you do with this? 
Yes. Do you write it in or do you ignore it? Do you pretend it never happened? It's the decision I made. I thought about that a lot, actually. And I didn't really want to write it in. I just felt like by the time it came out, we've had enough of it by now. (laughs) So actually, I set it all in January and February of last year before it happened or before it got to us in the UK. (laughs) Because I thought that way I can just ignore it. The book's all over by the time it starts. Yeah, because I'm catching up on Line of Duty in preparation for tomorrow's final. And I noticed they're using dates in 2020, like, you know, November 2020. They're not wearing masks. But they're ignoring... Wow. coronavirus and it doesn't I must say as a viewer it doesn't bother me at all I think in some ways that's the best way to go about it because also it's going to date things very quickly if everyone's wearing masks and talking about not being able to go out yeah and unless that's what your book's about yeah. it's such a weird background yeah exactly it's like a weird dystopian thing but it's happening now yeah so 11 books in you were talking there about all the, the TV shows you worked on which you were a producer on I was yeah I started off in the script department so um, I was a script editor and then I went to EastEnders I was the uh, story editor uh, and then I became a producer and, yeah, produced my way through. And that seems like a very kind of uh, lucrative, satisfying, creative job. So which should have kind of, you know, you feel like that would have ticked your boxes. But uh, so how did you summon up the, the time, energy, motivation to write books? Uh, so it had been my lifelong ambition. Oh, yes, since and, five, uh, yes. Since five, yeah, as you know. And uh, so, so the TV thing was a bit of a diversion. It was a bit like maybe I can fulfil that driving me by doing this you know working on drama and stuff like that and it kind of worked but the thing about tv is it's so collaborative which is great for a while (laughs) it actually drove me insane i want to say just leave me alone like come back to me in nine months and i'll give you a tv show just leave me alone and so after a while i thought look if i'm ever going to do this i need to just put my money where my mouth is so I made this big decision that I was going to take a year out. Sounds really brave. I was freelance. It wasn't that brave because I could have gone back to work. So, um, yeah, I just suddenly got weirdly brave at the age of 45 and thought it's now or never. I give it a go. Wow. Well done, you. Thank I mean, you. yeah, that. It, uh, yes, because I think a lot of people talk about wanting to write a book and then can't quite figure out <laughs> how to do it. Yeah. And in the end, it. actually, sadly, you've just got to sit there and put the hours in. Yeah. Do you have a stack of ideas for books that you revisit when you come to writing or is everything a brand new idea that you get started on? Uh, I have endless notebooks of sort of random thoughts and odd ideas and bits of ideas and ideas that haven't worked in the past. And I always trawl through that. I never throw anything away clever so are you in the middle of the next book now i am yeah i am in the middle i'm kind of i started the first draft about a month ago yes i'm early days and are you very disciplined are you like all day every day clicky clacky clicky clacky no 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 no. No. i'm uh, most days and i'm sort of because i get up stupidly early because i'm very bad sleeper so i'm kind of 5 30 till 8 30 worst idea ever is out now jane fallon thank you so much for coming in to join us take care enjoy the rest of your weekend bye on the way fern britain discusses her novel daughters of cornwall out now in paperback but first will young joins us live in the studio to chat about his new single daniel and fill us in on his upcoming album will young is in the building he's just struggling with his microphone is it not plugged in no no i'm turning the volume up oh okay and i've done it as well (gasps) well quite pleased about yeah. self-producing yes thank well you done, i'll put that young. on the record uh, welcome 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 to virgin towers lovely to see you it's lovely to see you and uh congratulations your new album oh, well the new album's not out yet no the new, it's out on july the 20th no it's moved now august the 6th oh august oh God, the 6th. i can't believe i can remember that as well well done breaking news I'm doing self-congratulations <laughs> day today yeah i think they moved it 
Um, probably because there was a bigger record out in the week it was coming out. I mean, oh, you stopped that now. That's what they do. You stopped uh, that. We didn't do that with Madonna, but that, anyway, that's in my biography. Um, <laughs> yeah, so... Madonna made you... Did she bump your album? No, we went head-to-head, I remember. Oh. Yeah, years ago... Let's not talk about the record. Years ago, I used to work at Sony Publishing, music publishing, and I remember it was the number one race between Groove Jet, Sophie Ellis Baxter, Spiller, was it Spiller? That first, yes, if yes, you're saying yeah, love. Yeah, 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 yeah. People are nodding. And people are nodding. And Victoria Beckham and Dane Bowers. <gasps> I'm out of my mind. I remember that. Do you that. remember? And it was a big old race. Yeah, wow. I can't remember who won. Who won? A spiller. Or oh, it was a sp- spiller. Yeah, they oh, won. Yeah. 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 Oh, Victorian. They must have been livid. That's livid. Particularly with that vocoder on it. Yeah. I mean, that doesn't come cheap. <laughs> I saw them perform that live. <laughs> remember, they both wore leather. Yes, but really odd little fitting leather, wasn't it? It's it was boxy. It was, yeah, it was like you've over-ordered the leather. You <laughs> you measured it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. They could grow into it. Anyway, enough of them. Let's talk mm. about you. Uh, so, the album, which is now out on August the 6th, August the 6th. to avoid all other albums, yes. is called Crying on the Bathroom Floor, yeah. which sounds like... Oh, that yes. be, but it's not. I just think it's really funny. It's a title. <laughs> I know. I, I was saying to uh, my manager, Peter, um, who weird, who I've known for years. So I've got new management. They're called Fascination Management. But I've known Peter for years because um, he started at Smash Hits magazine. And oh, Top of the Pops, I think. Top of the Pops magazine. Um, and he was mixed in with S Club 7 and the Spice Girls. And I used to be at 19 Management with ah. Simon Fuller. Anyway, we... we I, we finally met up, became manager and client. Um, and I was saying, I think it's a really funny title, Crying on the Bathroom Floor. And luckily he agreed. Is that Peter, does he have things to do with uh, Jesse Ware? He's and... got Jesse Ware oh, okay, and I Alison Goldfrapp, but he's also got Steps. Yeah. Um, you know, Banana Ramas. So he's got this amazing rostra, is that the word? Um, Ro- yeah, rostrum. Ro- no, that's something you stand on, I think. Maybe that's the sort of manager he is. <laughs> I will crush you. I will treat you like Rostrum. Yes, yes. Make me money. Um, but it's all covers, actually, the album. So, so I wanted, I wanted to do a covers album, but I didn't want to do that kind of like I'm doing a covers album. I want to go to the Bahamas. You know what I mean? And earn some money, or, or you know, like I'll some American classics. Yes, yeah. You know, which is great, but not not what I wanted to do. I'm just going to pr- cover that. No judgment. No, no judgment. judgment. Yeah. Um, but I think I would have found that boring. So I went for a <laughs> little bit of judgment. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> Tiny bit slipping in now. Uh, so I went for female artists and female pop artists who um, I think are kind of like, they're like in sort of mainstream but indie in a way. Does yes. that make sense? But, so, but also what's interesting is they're not people who were working, you know, 30 years ago. No. They're now. The, yeah, yeah, they're now. So people like, so Daniel is actually a song by Natasha Khan, a.k.a. Bat for Lashes, who I know and she's just, I mean, I'm just a... a, a I, I count myself as a friend and also a super fan, so maybe a stalker. And uh, <laughs> you know, I've done the song Daniel, and I'm so pleased with the way it's turned out. I, it's almost like because I relate it to my acting. It's almost like taking scripts and trying to do it in your own way. Yeah, you know. So that's how I've done all these songs. And she's your friend, but are the, are, do you know everyone on the album? No. Did you, so how? I no, mean, I've I, written them all cards though. Oh, okay. but, but Sky Ferrer is quite hard to find. Apparently, <laughs> she's quite difficult to find. But I'll track her down. Oh yeah, oh, you'll yeah. find her. Yeah. But Tom Jones said when he does covers, he does them and then he lets people know. Uh, yes, I did that. 
Yeah, I did them and then I let them know. I didn't. Is that because if you ask for permission, you don't get it? I don't. I don't know the legalities of that, but if you want to text in, Virgin... is that why it's been moved to August the sixth? Yeah, probably. Twenty twenty eight. We're still waiting for some uh, for some forms. I actually, to come don't back. know the way it works. I think you can do people's songs, but I always felt like I always thought that Prince was one that you couldn't. That was always you couldn't do a Prince song for some reason, but that must be wrong. I think now. I mean, come on. Why do nobody do? Do people do? Oh, Tom Jones did a Prince song. I'm just oh, they, yeah. oh, yes, he did Kiss with yeah. the Art of Noise. But of course, that'll be Tom Jones who doesn't ask permission. He just does it. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, hey, Prince. <laughs> yeah. In a Welsh uh, accent. I did that, by the way. I did, I did but that. But you know what it is? I think it's actually about doing, like, celebrating the people. And I don't mean that in a really sort of annoying PR thing. It is actually about that. They're amazing artists. And I, and I would... Like urge anyone to go and check out all of them from and Claire Maguire, but I've done a London Grammar song, yeah. and um, you know that they, they are artists who I absolutely adore. But also, I think for them it must be so interesting to hear because they're not expecting their songs to be covered. They're not those sort of artists because they're still working. They're still I know, creating. I know, I know. So it must be so fascinating for them to hear your voice and your take on their songs. I hope they like it. Yeah, <laughs> but if they don't. It's coming out August the sixth. <laughs> like so, it or not, um, they like the PRS. It's but Babalashes has heard Daniel, right? Yeah, and she really likes the video as well. As I sent her the video, she sent me a lovely um, video back of her partner and and. Um, kid bouncing along to it yeah. uh, Eleanor in Liverpool uh, says the stripped back gigs this year sound lovely uh, what made you decide to do them and they do sound lovely so these oh, are yes yes yes, yes. Oh, 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 I know two things I need to do let's Go do on. some sh- I must do the business uh, so Daniel what we just heard that single is out now yes uh, the uh, album Crying on the Bathroom Floor is out on August the 6th if you want details of the album or the tickets for the tour that we're just about to talk about you go to willyoung.co.uk is that right yes yeah. you're nothing yes, so I, I am yeah, yes. yeah, correct. so tell us about these gigs because they're, uh, they're not just music you chat as well yes I'm for, it's amazing people want to come um, <laughs> it's uh, so I did have a lot of big concerts but obviously blah 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 they didn't happen yeah. last year and this year as well I thought oh, no, no, I don't want to get caught up in the melee so um, uh, I did a couple of acoustic gigs a couple of years ago for the last record and then I people ask questions, and then and then Dave Tench, my my pianist at the time, he's very busy, uh, would read them out, and it was so funny. Thing is, my fans are really funny, and I like talking to them because they do say hysterical things. Many of the things I won't be able to say on air. Um, so <laughs> remember that. Yes, I'm self-editing as we go. <laughs> Thank you very much, um, Will Young. But so I like I, my new job. <laughs> <laughs> so do I. Um, so. I thought I'll do a couple, a few more of those. So I'm doing Cardiff, Brighton, Birmingham, Glasgow, and two in London. I think that's right. Yeah. And um, if you go to my website, you'll find out. I think they're all in the beginning of September. Do you play instruments yourself? Do you play guitar or piano? Well, I do play the piano thanks to my amazing uh, piano teacher, Anne Waitley. Um, who I used to bribe her with flakes to give me good grades. Um, and I've started playing again. And uh, I, I set up a studio in my attic, which is a little bit like a room for a teenager. Okay. Um, and mine, so I've been playing piano again and writing very badly. Um, 
But I'm next. My next jo job is I'm going to put lots of posters of Jason Donovan up because I want to make it the gay teenage attic room that I always wanted. So it's going to be Jason Priestley, J all the Jasons, Jason Priestley, Jason Donovan. There'll have to be some Kylie in there somewhere because yeah. I was a member of the fan club. Uh, and I have to think of some others. Um, uh, do you play I Adam mean, Ricketts? But it sounds He'll like you play there. you you play piano properly. Well, uh, okay, yeah. You're not like Madonna with the guitar. That's what I'm saying. No, we've all seen that. <laughs> yes, we get it, Madonna. You took some guitar lessons. Yes. Now put it now down. Put it down now when you're in that enormous Wembley Stadium. Yeah. I didn't pay £120 for this, woman. <laughs> no, I don't think I'll ever be like that. Good. Because uh, um, it's yeah. boring. Um, but the, the thing I think, though, you chatting to your audience, mm. is that come up about from your podcast? Because you did a very successful podcast for, for a few years. Homo Sapiens. Yeah. Which is still going. Yeah, no, it is. So with, Adam yeah. Cummings doing it, yeah. still with Chris Sweeney. I stopped because uh, I stopped enjoying it. So I thought, well, I'll stop now. There's, you know, my mantra is to just enjoy things. Um, and But yes, I think so. And then also probably DJing a bit, because I do some DJing. You're and, very um, respected as a DJ. <laughs> Uh, can you send that? That could be my new strap line. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm coming up. Very, very respected as the DJ. Graham Norton says. Um, uh, I'm probably just getting older, a bit more confident. Although I've always quite liked chatting to the audience, actually. Um, basically, I'm nosy. So as I'm singing, I'm looking at the people and I'm thinking, oh, I wonder where she got that top from. <laughs> so then I want to know. And, yeah. yeah. But also, I suppose, we were talking about this while, while the record was on, that, you know, your your fans, your audience, um, have, you know, you've all grown up together. Yeah. You've, you've had all those shared experiences over yeah, the yeah. years. Yeah, almost 20 years. Yeah. 20 years next year. Um, yeah, I guess so. And also, they are very loyal. Um, and... I quite like doing the sort of anti-pop star thing as well, because the pop star thing is to sort of look cool, stand there and not say anything. And I stand there, sweat and basically <laughs> crack jokes about the Antiques Roadshow. <laughs> I quite like that. Um, and but, but they're fun. Yeah. You know, my audience are fun. Yeah. They are but, fun. And, but also, I think there must be so many people in the music industry looking at you and thinking, how did Will Young do that? How have you managed your career? How, you know, because we were talking about this, so many people who have your sort of start, who have that huge kind of, you know, fireworks pop star, blah, blah, blah thing, and then it goes away and they go away. Yeah. And you haven't. You've kind of held your nerve and said, no, I'm a musician, I'm a singer, and I have an audience out there. I think it's, I think it's probably, it's just the people I've worked with, actually, and I'm very stubborn. Um, but also I get to, to do a lot of different things like writing and acting so I never get bored of the music. No one wants a bitter pop star, do they? <laughs> oh, well, but like them or not, we've got them. <laughs> and uh, have you got it? Have you got, have you got more acting coming up? Oh, I've been working on about three things, actually. Oh, yeah, wow. and I'm writing uh, a novel uh, and, an, and, and a well-being book. Yeah, so about five projects. The acting, I seem to do an acting job between every record. So I'm due one, basically, <laughs> is what I'm saying. Yeah, throw it out there. Throw it out into the universe. Uh, Will Young's new album, Crying on the Bathroom Floor, is out on August the 6th. Daniel is out now. That's the single. And for details on the album and the 
tour dates, willyoung.co.uk. Uh, Will Young, thank you so much for coming in to see Can us. I take these packs of... of, of the, you've got lots of... I'm going to say yes. Thank you. I'm going to say... Sanitary wipes. Yes, okay. He's taking some sanitary wipes with him. Uh, London Just will be a cleaner... Just you try and stop me. <laughs> cleaner, safer place. <laughs> for it. Yeah. Uh, there'll be an incident in reception. Where they, <laughs> Will Young's being arrested uh, because he tried to steal some sanitary wipes. But very wipes. clean. <laughs> yes, yes. Clean-handed. He got away clean-handed. Thank you. Um, I'll talk to you later, Will. Thank you very much for coming to see us. Bye. The Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. You can taste when it's Waitrose. Virgin Radio. Fern Britain off the telly now has nine. Nine! Uh, Sunday Times best-selling novels under her belt. The latest one is called Daughters of Cornwall and it's out now in paperback. Fern, I believe, is on the line now. Hello, Fern Britain. Hello, Graham Norton on the radio. How are you? I'm very well. <laughs> oh, so Good. nice to talk to you. It's like lovely to talk to you. I know. It's so. It's sort of. It feels like sort of. I don't know. The world is waking up, and we get we get to talk to people we know again. It's all great. <laughs> and now, Daughters of Cornwall. It. I mean, there's a lot in this book. It's a proper big family saga. It's like there's enough in this book for three books. Um. So it begins with Caroline, who's been recently widowed, and then we go back in yeah. time. So tell us as much as you want to about uh, the book. The story, well, I will tell you that it's actually based on a bit of reality. So um, it's the it's the story of a grandmother, a mother, and as you say, Caroline, who starts the book, who's in the present day, looking back and catching, understanding what happened in her family, because there's secrets and lies in every family. And in my own family, um, in the 1980s, I suppose, um, I was working on the, on the telly in Cornwall, in Devon, and... Um, a man wrote to me saying, oh, I've just been on holiday with my wife and I saw you and I thought, hang on, is she Ruth Britton's daughter, Tony Britton's daughter, my parents? And I wrote back and I said, oh, yes, how extraordinary, how lovely, you know, how do you know them? And he wrote another letter back because no emails um, and said, well, this might come as a shock, but your grandmother is my mother and I am your uncle. And I went, what? <laughs> and I said, well, I need some proof of that. And so he wrote again and he sent photographs of him on a beach in the 1920s with my grandmother, who I obviously recognised, letters in her hand, which I recognised, writing to him and his foster parents. It was a private fostering. She had to give him away because she had him probably when she was about 18, sometime during the First World War, and um, had fallen in love with somebody who didn't come back maybe he went to war and she had to give her little boy away and he, she was in contact with him for about three or four years and then it all stopped and uh, that's probably when she married my grandfather and went on to have a legitimate family and um, she went with my grandfather to Penang in Malaya, Malaysia now where he had been left a rubber plantation by his older brother who had died in the First World War. And so I began to think maybe the older brother who died in the First World War was Uncle Bertie, who really was my Uncle Bertie. And um, I've been to France and seen his grave. And it all sort of came together. And then my father, about five years ago, I mean, I told my mother about that, and my mother just sort of stared out of the window. We were doing the washing up Ooh, over Sunday lunch. So did, did your mother know, said, do you think? No, I I said to her, um, I've waited all day. You know, we'd had lunch and everything, and now we're washing up and I'm drying up. Ooh. And uh, I said, I've had this letter from somebody who says that um, he's your brother. 
And she went, she just looked out in the window and she went, I'm not surprised. And apparently when my grandmother died in the 70s, 60s, yeah. she did say on her deathbed, I've been a very wicked woman. And because she never was wicked in her life. But my mother remembered... This is such a long story, I'm yeah, sorry. No, no, it's good. That after the war, after the war, my my grandmother was running um, a boarding house in Somerset with my mother and my two uncles, legitimate uncles. And uh, this man came to the door and asked to speak to her. And my grandmother took one look at him, obviously knew who it was, got my uncle and told him, get rid of this man, get rid of him, I don't want to see him. So my other uncle didn't know that he was chucking his brother out of the house. So it's quite, it's tricky, isn't it? Wow. I mean, that's a yeah. lot. You know, I was just going to say, what, what breaks my heart is that you know, on her deathbed, she st- she thought her- thought yeah. of herself as a wicked woman. You know, mm-hmm. that she-, she hadn't forgiven herself. It's terrible. Exactly. Which is why I wanted to write this book, to honour her, for her to know that as a family, we thought she was a goddess anyway. She was incredibly strong, single-minded. She left my grandfather in Penang because he was impossible. And she started her life back in the UK as a landlady of a, of a house in Somerset. And then she moved to Ealing in West London and uh, ran a boarding house there. And she was so good. She always smoked furiously with a cigarette hanging out the corner of her mouth. She could sew, <laughs> she could play bridge. She played bridge around the world on banana boats to, to pay her passage around the world. She's a great traveller. When I was very little, she would take us all on cruises. She had great stories. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I want her to know that I honour her. But then I must tell you the other bit. Oh, go, go, go. So then... The story. So that's the story of Clara. And then in the book, Clara has a daughter called Hannah, who is loosely based on my mum. And um, my father, I never understood why I never lived in a house with my father. I have no memory of him being around ever. So once when (laughs) when I was about four or five, I remember saying to my mum, why isn't Dada here? Why doesn't he live with us? And she said, um, he married another woman uh, before he married me and he had to go back to her. And I thought, oh, fair enough. So <laughs> then we were talking in school when I was about seven or eight. For some reason, the subject came up of um, uh, bigamy. So in school, <laughs> they were talking about bigamy. I shot my hand up and said, oh, my father's a bigamist. <laughs> <laughs> no one explained that to me. And then my father, about mm, eight or nine years ago, said to me, I've got to tell you something, darling. I said, yes. He said, the reason I was never at home, I have to tell you, I'd left mummy and my sister, who had was brokenhearted, obviously. I'd left them and gone to be with my mother, who I was going to marry, which he did. Um, but before he got married to her, he did nip home to see my mother and my sister. And somehow I was conceived. And so wow. then he was in trouble because he had to tell his yes. new girlfriend. My mother was stuck. And none of them told me this. And then when I was about 17, I met the brother that my father had had with his <laughs> second wife. And I had no idea he'd existed. No one told me anything. So that's quite something to know when you're in your 50s, you know. Wow. Fern Britain, you could do a series of Long Lost Family. Yeah. <laughs> this, week yeah. We joined, <laughs> this week we joined Fern. So Fern, presumably you're talking to us today from Cornwall. I am. 
am. I'm sitting here looking out of my office window at the clematis that's just blooming on the wall ahead of me. Oh. And my little palm trees are looking a bit sad, but they just we're going to get torrential rain over the next couple of days, I think. And I'm still in my nighty because <laughs> I'm so glad. I did say to my uh, to my lovely uh, lady who fixed this up and I said, oh, gosh, can they see me? Because I really am. Exhibit A in a, in a museum of the dead today. Um, but uh, so I've been having a lovely time filming. Just got back from Wales last night and it was freezing cold and raining. But, um, you know, life is good. I'm 110 now, but I'm doing stuff and I'm alive. The yes. crew were treating me like, yes, the crew were treating me like some some doddery old family dog. And it was lovely. <laughs> what, what are you filming? It's called, well, you might remember it. It's been revived, Watercolour Challenge. Oh, yes. So it's, uh, yeah, it's lovely. So we have four painters, every programme, and an expert, and we plonk them in front of a difficult view to paint, <laughs> and they get three hours to watercolour it. And it's incredible how four different people can come up with four entirely different perspectives of the same view. But it's been lovely, actually. I'm loving it. And it's going to be for Channel 5, probably the afternoons, um, but I don't know a transmission date yet. Channel 5 are on fire right now. They're doing really clever things, like like bringing they back are. a really popular programme like watercolour challenge. It, isn't it curious? And also, I think it's because the boss, he's very much in charge. And so that's Ben Frau. And it's very much his channel. And he decides, you know, that in other channels, you, there's an awful lot of hierarchy and yes. focus groups you have to go through. It's him. He just says, no, I don't want it. Yes, I do. Uh, ben really? used to live next to me in uh, Ireland when he lived in Ireland. He, had a, he was just, really? just down the road from me. Yeah. Yeah. Really? How amazing. Well, he's doing grand jobs there, isn't he? Small world. And you've also been doing, well, when we could, uh, you were doing acting. You were in a musical, uh, Calendar Girls. Oh, yes. I, 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 it was a difficult thing, that one. I went off on tour for a year with Calendar Girls, the musical that Gary Barlow, Barlow had written. And um, I was I played the girl who doesn't take her clothes off. I was the I was the chairwoman of the village group. And oh, you were the one fighting the to do oh, it. You were fighting it. Oh, yes. Yeah. I was fighting it. So playing against type, actually, because I'd have been happily laughing, drinking gin and taking my clothes <laughs> off, you know, obviously. Uh, but I was playing against type and um, it was very interesting. I, 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 I don't I don't know whether I found it just too hard or. But I was terrified every night. I terrified. Sometimes it went well, sometimes it didn't. I, I didn't have that repetition that actors can do every night. Yeah. I th and I think partially that's because my whole life has been built on ad-libbing. So I can't do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, I had exa exactly the same experience. I did a musical in the West End and I never felt on top of it in the way that ah, normal actors do. Yes. Like that, I had great nights. I had nights people saw it and thought, oh, he's so good. And other nights people thought, I can't believe, why is he, do why is he doing that? Terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's what you feel, isn't it? And you walk out on stage and you think, they hate me. They hate me already. <laughs> you know, all of that. Yeah, you did that great musical, didn't you? Um, yeah, but I was in it. That was the problem. <laughs> it, no, was, no, it was I a great musical. <laughs> yes, no, I, I wanted to see it, actually. Yeah, that was a while ago, wasn't it? Oh, mm. dear. Uh, well, listen, good luck with the rest of Watercolour Challenge and good luck with Daughters of Cornwall. You have sold that book so well, Fern. You're good at this uh, because uh, pe people will want to read that book now. Uh, Daughters of Cornwall. Well, I'm out, very thrilled. Out now in paperback. I'll, I'll let you go back to bed or 
Oh, oh God, thank you. Go I'm on. Gonna crawl back to bed and then watch the Grand Prix later this afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, living your best life. Thank you so much for Britain. Take care. Now. Graham, thank you, darling. Bye-bye. Right. Bye-bye. 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 Thank you so much for joining me for the Graham Norton Radio Show podcast with Waitrose. I'm back on Verge Radio at 9.30 on Saturday morning. And don't forget, the next episode of the podcast will be out first thing the following Monday. Speak to you then. The Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. You can taste when it's Waitrose. Virgin Radio.